What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Security Squad Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning. With me, I have Reginald Andre down in Miami, Florida, Art Solvers. Ryan O'Hara with Stinks Cybersecurity out of somewhere in Michigan, right? I forget Detroit where. Detroit area. Yep. Detroit area, right. Uh, and then uh, Randy Bryan down in Texas, USA. Yeah, deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> with Tech Rescue. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome to another show, another week where we educate the world about cybersecurity and what the hell's going on out there. Ryan, we were looking for cyber attacks last week. We were struggling yep. to find some. We needed content for the show. You said, I think it's the calm before the storm. And here we are. We have a storm. So we got a bunch of cyber attacks we're going to run through today on the show. Um, but before we do that, and before we let you know what's going on and how you can not do the things that these companies did because they got attacked and we're trying to help everybody not get attacked. Share our show. That's the only fee. We don't bore you with commercials. We don't stop the show to talk about things that you don't want to hear. Um, we just bring you the goods. We bring you the content. So if you can help us by sharing the show, just hit the little share button. We're live on basically every social media platform there is right now. And every one of those has a share button. So all you got to do is hit share and let people know that we exist. And you're not just helping us, you're helping the people that you share it with. I mean, the, big, the biggest problem in cybersecurity right now is the, the lack of knowledge that people have as to how serious it is. So, Yeah, my point is, is that we don't get paid for this. So the only reason you would share this is to get the information out. We're, we're not doing this for any kind of money. We just all are passionate about what we do. And we know that this is something that is very preventable. Um, and we try to bring that to the show every week and start helping people understand that you have to do something around cybersecurity. You have to do something with this stuff. You can't just hope and pray that you're never going to have an issue or never going to get hit by a cyber criminal. Um, as you can see, these companies that we're going to talk about today, a lot of them. So we got a lot to get through. Um, first two, I would say. Uh, you know, related in a way, and I'll pop it up on the screen. It's two universities. One, I guess we'll do Austin PA since that kind of was the one that uh, hit first, I guess, so to speak. Um, but we have two colleges right now uh, that are basically dealing with a cyber attack. Austin PA State University is actually getting back on their feet after a, a little over a week of of uh, dealing with a ransomware attack at the school. They had to shut down the school. Um, I don't want you guys just chime in here. I know we've, we found a couple interesting things and I know Andre in the green room, you mentioned something about how they announced this. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit and talk about how maybe why people are upset on how this was announced and communicate it and, and talk about if we feel like that's an okay way to do it. So what, what happened over there? Yeah, so we have um, the alert system was via Twitter. So they essentially, in order to broadcast to all the students, faculty, vendors, anybody that was connected to their um, systems, they did it. They let out a tweet that says ransomware attack. This is not a test. Shut down all computers now. Yeah, so I guess. You guys can all chime in here. What, what do we think about that? It's just a horrible way to do it. And plus, on top yeah. of that, they didn't spell it right. So, you know, we've had like 
there was like a nuclear attack warning, I think, out in Hawaii like a year ago. And, you know, and you've got all kinds of trolls all over everywhere in the Internet, on the Internet. And so when they put out a tweet that says ransom and then where and then a bunch of caps and a bunch of exclamation marks, like I probably would have just I don't know. I don't think I would have believed it um, when I first saw it. And a lot of so a lot of people were getting, you know, mixed messages from it. It's just it's very, it's very in, inappropriate. You know, they probably didn't have a plan though. And they were just doing the best they could is probably the bottom line. It, it amazes me sometimes, you know, that, that companies or universities will do stuff like this and, and they, they actually run the playbook that we try and teach people to be weary of. Right. So we just talked last, last week about, uh, you know, a hack that started where you know they got into their Instagram account and then started broadcasting fake messages as that that entity. You know, so to send to send stuff out on on Twitter here, yeah, that would have been my first reaction as well. Is okay. Well, this looks more like the scam than what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that, that jumps out to me is I, I'm wondering if they had any type of incident response plan in the first place. Like, because mm-hmm. I, I can't see this being in their playbook. Right. immediately jump on Twitter and let everybody know to unplug their computers. Right. And plus it's Twitter. I mean, Twitter is, you know, not as big as Facebook. They probably should have a, a way to text everybody or call everybody or email everybody. Um, not everybody's on Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of people on Twitter, but there's still tons that aren't. Well, they can't email you about the email being down. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> they can't get into the thing to send you the text because that's probably locked up. Yeah, it could have just been the last resort where they they just yeah. they didn't trust anything, and they know. I mean, this is a university, so you know I'm sure most of these students are on this type of social media platform, and for them, this was just the fastest way to get the message um, down, uh, down downstream. Well, That's hopefully great. they they learn from this and and come up with a better plan for disseminating that information down the road. You know, do, they and they need to do a debrief on this. It does raise the question of. You know, when I look at that kind of message, I go, wow, was there network segmentation that non exist? Like, you, you yeah. can't have the school administration, the school operations on the same network as the students. And I see that tweet is almost like, hey, if you're on our network, you could potentially get ransomware spread to your computer. Like, uh, you know, it, definitely we know that certain operation operations and systems that they use to deliver their service, which is education, were impacted by this. And then you're also putting out tweets to the public saying, like, don't plug in the network. That just screams to me that this network isn't very well segregated. And both uh, of the articles are, are very similar in that respect, too. Like, they, they just, they, you know, what, what jumped out at to me was that they didn't really seem to know what was going on. Both of them had to shut down campus to do, you know, to do their investigation. That just, it seemed like they had no idea what to do and just shut everything down while they tried to figure it out, as opposed to uh, reading like they had a plan going into it and were running a playbook of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we see. We see in a lot of these, you know, the lessons learned out of this are going to be a lot of missteps um, along the way where people think, that they were doing the right thing and they were helping the situation. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, um, some of the things that they're probably doing made the situation worse or made it harder for forensics people to figure out maybe what happened or what's going on, um, which, you know, you're going to clean up after you, you kind of do a postmortem, but you can also do this 
as a tabletop exercise or something that you're not going to, you know, as a practice, a fire drill, you're, you don't want to be doing this stuff for the first time during a live attack, during an event, because these are the kind of things you kind of see. Um, as Ryan mentioned, coming up in a, a more controlled manner or in handling the situation in a more controlled manner is really where you want to be. Um, you know, and that's on that's on the right side of the event. That's on the after the boom, after the event has occurred, um, the cyber attack is done. We're not even talking about all the things they probably should have done, like network segmentation, um, you know, to prevent the spread of this attack to to being so widespread. So these are all things that universities, K through 12, you know, all these entities that have um computer labs and, and lots of computers in one area connected to the network. Um, these are all things that you need to consider when you have these types of environments like network segmentation, making sure that, you know, lab computers are not able to, if they get infected are not able to affect the operations of the school and things like that. And I think to Ryan's point, that's what was lacking here. The, mm -hmm. uh, the, the ability for the ability uh, or the lack of this being in place shines through in what's being said and how it's being handled by the school officials. Um, so my opinion, you know, that they probably could have done a lot better on the front side of this. Um, and I don't know. I don't know when people are going to get it guys that this is like, you're going to get attacked. Like, <clears throat> you know, you can, <clears throat> you can not get it. You can, still get attacked and it not be successful, right? If you have the things in, in place, but if you don't have the things in place, the attacks are gonna be successful. You know, the other thing that people have to realize is that there are thousands of attacks that happen every day that go unsuccessful because there are companies that are out there doing it the right way. Um, but we're still, the ones that are doing it in the right way are still in, in the minority in my opinion. So, um, <laughs> I think the moral of the story here is, is that, that people need to understand that they don't know what they don't know. I mean, people seem to think that, you know, you know a little bit about computers and then you, you have things under control here um, and, or, you know, you can you know deal with it when it comes. And that's just not the case, especially these days. So, you know, I'm just thinking like universities like this. I mean, they, they've obviously got a pretty robust IT infrastructure. I mean, computers are a critical part of, of the education system, especially at that level. But you know, are we trusting these security decisions to IT infrastructure people? You know, one does not always equal the other. And I think there's this misconception that, you know, if somebody knows something about IT that they also know about cybersecurity. And that's that's often not the case. Right. So we got and I don't know if Ryan wants to pick this one up since it's in his backyard. But yeah. uh, we got this um, up in Battle Creek, Michigan. We got another community college this time um, who's dealing with technology issues and they kind of figured out that those technology issues were a cyber attack and ransomware. So what's happening up in your neck of the woods at, at Kellogg Community College? This looks like a very similar situation to me where you know, even the way that the story starts that the the technology issues that they have been experiencing were caused by a ransomware attack. So you know they, they didn't even know right away. So we were kind of you know joking around in the green room like, oh, somebody was complaining about the internet being slow. And then, you know, oops, a couple of days later, we realized Hey, this is an actual you know cyber attack that we need to deal with. Uh, so as, as of right now, they've they've been down for about a half a week. Um, the the timing of this is also interesting.
interesting because the uh, the last day of their classes is May 9th. So they are right at the end of the semester where everybody's trying to get stuff in so that they can graduate on May 12th. Uh, whether or not that was part of the attack and coordinated that way or just a coincidence, who knows? Uh, but but the, the similarities between this one and the last one are, are, are this, you know, just looks like they were completely unprepared and caught with their pants down with something like this. Good analogy. You guys want to add anything over there in Texas yeah. and Florida? Yeah, a little bit. Um, the So the previous uh, story looked like they were back back in business very quickly. Um, I think it's been a week, right? So maybe they over maybe they overreacted and it was smaller than it, you know, they thought it was at first, but uh, this one here, they just seem to be more clueless, man. Um, we do know that um, from another article that we talked about in the green room, green room, we do know that they are trying to restore from backups and, you know, and all this stuff. Uh, this article talks about them sending out a password reset uh, to everybody that's, uh, you know, all the students. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that's smart um, at this point, because if the attackers are still in, you know, now you might be giving them insight into everything where maybe they didn't have insight to everybody's passwords before. I don't know, man. Um, just seems like these guys are just pushing buttons and, you know, hoping to fix it. I I'm, don't mean to be negative, but it doesn't seem like they really are aware of what's going on yet. And I mean, it, it does say that they, they did engage with a, an incident response team uh, to, to take the lead on, on looking at this. Um, you know, I, I wonder if, if budget's not, you know, another issue here. I mean, this is a community college versus, uh, you know, the state university that we just looked at. And, you know, how much of this is, you know, you know they didn't have, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote budget to, to look at this stuff or, or weren't budgeting properly, you know, when you really, really look at it. Um, but, yeah, this, this one just just looked to me like, you know, they got caught with their pants down. Yep. So moving right along, I, I'm going to. I was going to do the, the technology company next, but I think I'm going to roll into the, the healthcare ones. This Yuma Regional Medical Center um, got attacked last week. It, they've been dealing with it for a little while now. Um, let's just talk about this one briefly, and then we'll, and we'll jump into what I think is the bigger one, um, you know, just because of who it is. Um, but we have another, you know, it seems like, these are the favorite targets, right? Schools and hospitals, schools, hospitals, and municipal governments. Um, and I can only guess that the reason that this is, is because we're just not doing a good enough job with cybersecurity, right? Hospitals have been a major target for cyber criminals for a long time now, for, you know, almost as long as ransomware has been around. And it just doesn't seem to end. It seems like month after month, we're dealing with you know, a, a regional medical center or some kind of major um, hospital, uh, you know, hospital uh, companies like that run hospitals, conglomerates, if, if you will, um, that run hospitals. If you guys remember UHS, Universal Healthcare Services, got hit a couple years ago um, and they manage uh, hundreds of hospitals around the country. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of those entities get hit here and here we go again with yuma um who wants to pick this one up it's close to you randy why don't you chime in um fire <laughs> it's close it's to you than any of us third of the united states <laughs> no, we do it when we freestyle it's all geographic you got exactly. the southwest buddy yeah so um this is a really interesting um attack because they they say that it was a um they they detected it 
they detected the bad guys in the network and then pre pro uh, proactively they shut down all 400 ish systems to protect customer data um, which is actually kind of encouraging because if they're really at that point were were they watching the network were they watching for anomalies in the network did they detect something like that and then shut it down or you know we don't really know from this story or did one of the IT guys get ransomware on one of the computers? We don't really know exactly what happened, but it does seem like they um, they were aware of it, which is a good sign. And then they shut down all the systems. Basically, what they're doing is they're bringing them back one by one. They're saying that they're scrubbing them. I don't know if that's good, if they're just shooting in the dark. You know, have they already checked their firewall, their network system? Um, but, bot but bottom line is um, the entire uh, the entire medical center is down. Basically, they're having to use paper for things. Um, they're slowly coming mess. back up right now. But, yeah, they you know, again, it's, you know, to kind of paint the picture for people, um, you know, you you switch over to pen and paper. Right. Which which. You know, it's like me walking around today with my hurt leg, right? I, I can move like a tenth of my normal speed. And that's what this feels like. Like you, you can't get things done as quickly as you're used to. And then on the flip side, which a lot of people don't realize until they're kind of like a week into doing things on pen and paper, that, oh, crap, somebody's going to have to put this all into the computer system once the computer system comes back yep. up. And that's cost money too. So these are all the things that we're trying to make people aware when you look at, you know, a cybersecurity service or a solution and you're like, well, that seems really expensive. Well, you know what? These, there's a lot of things that happen in a cyber attack that are really expensive too, that you don't always think mm -hmm. of. Um, and, you know, these are one of those things like who's going to enter in all the data that was put on pen and paper for the last week, two weeks, however long, um, the bigger your organization, the longer the attack, mm -hmm. the bigger that dollar amount is going to be for data entry to get that stuff back into the system. So on top of the fact that mistakes happen, right? So, so like you've got people who are trained on certain processes and all of a sudden they can't do those processes because systems are down. Yes, they can switch over to pen and paper, but they're not used to that. That's, and mistakes are going to happen. This is a medical center. You know, think about you know certain mistakes. What if somebody didn't take down a note, you know, where somebody has an allergy to a medication, and then they were given something that that could kill them? I mean, yeah. that's the amount of liability that opens that that the, the door is open to a tremendous amount of liability for any company who has to deal with a cyber attack. And just as Ryan pointed out there. You, you open yourself up for malpractice lawsuits with, with cyber attacks, whether you think that that's a viable thing or not. Um, I'm aware of a, um, uh, you know, a, a police department that got cyber attacked recently. Um, and I was talking about that with somebody uh, in who's a lawyer. And the lawyer is like, man, if I'm a defense attorney, I'm sending letters to everybody who has a pending case at that, you know, municipal building or wherever. And I am basically petitioning the judge to say that my case information was compromised and I want my case thrown out. And by law, they have to do that. Like if cyber criminals 
got your your pending case record and and technically your case can now be thrown out and what a nightmare that is for you know prosecutor's office or you know police department who are trying to put criminals behind bars i mean these are all real things that these entities have to deal with after a cyber attack and these are all things that the four of us here have seen after cyber attacks that people don't really ever think like you know you, you, you know, you know, the I guess the surface level stuff that you would expect, you know, in a cyber attack, your stuff's encrypted, you can't access your files. Yeah, that's annoying. It's going to cost money. But all these other things that trickle down after the fact, lawyers get involved and then it gets, you know, it gets really ugly for the for the organization who was attacked on a lot of different levels. Yeah. One way or another, you're, you're either going to invest in cybersecurity on your own. Uh, accord or you're going to invest in it later if you didn't right. play so right and but like the important thing is it's not just about paying these cyber criminals like it like everybody comes out of the woodworks and nobody feels bad for you that you got cyber attacked you know these, these are one of those crimes where people call you dumb and stupid when you when you become a victim of this type of crime that you didn't do enough i just saw marcus limonis last a week um, and or two weeks ago and uh, his company good Sam and publicly traded company got cyber attack in February and this is a guy who comes to an event that I go to he, he he's been in front of me multiple times and people who run companies like mine he knows that we're out there we're able to help with cybersecurity and he admitted that he you know he just got by on this right he he felt like they were doing enough, but they he always thought that they could do a little more, but he just kind of, you know, felt like he was rode the edge with it and spent just enough to, you know, make sure he was secure. But, you know, there were other things he probably could have done that would have prevented this attack. And now he wishes he did those things. Um, and he he said, like, I'll, I'll do anything now. Like security has become number one for us because they've gone through a cyber attack. And he admitted right then and there that he thought he would never be somebody who would ever have to deal with a cyber attack. And he is, and, you know, and he said it, he said, everybody that came to him called him like, you know, what are you an idiot? Like, you know, all these things he's, you know, you know, he could have prevented it. He knows he could have prevented it. People told him he could have prevented it if he did the right things and lesson learned on his part, it's going to cost him a, a, a lot, a lot of money um, to get through this. So, um, but that's, you know, these are, these are real things happening to real businesses all over the world, um, all over this country. And we're just trying to help people understand that this threat is real. So American Dental Association, gentlemen, they got hit too, right? So we got Yuma and then we got the American Dental Association. Why we want to talk about the ADA, number one, they do possess a lot of data about uh dentist offices their practices certain things that happen you know in their offices uh they have a lot of information and data that cyber criminals would want to sell and uh you know they got hit but really why we want to talk about these guys is we want to talk about kind of this new ransomware group that has been associated with this attack um Based on our research, it seems like this group uh, is 
associated or an offshoot of Conti, which is a very large and successful ransomware group that's out there. I don't know who wants to run point on this one. I'll kind of just stop talking and somebody else can start talking. But at the end of the day, what is the name of this new group? What are they notorious for? What are we seeing with them? Um, because they hit a pretty big organization here in the American Dental Association, well-funded organization. Um, and obviously you see in the headline here that Tenant Healthcare also got hit, which we didn't even talk about that. I don't think we even talked about that last week. That's been going on for a while. Tenant is Tenant Healthcare is a large uh, hospital conglomerate. They manage a lot of hospitals and, and medical facilities down in Dallas, out of Dallas, Texas. That's down your way, Randy. So I didn't want to gloss over that uh, as well. So you basically, you know, in the last 15 minutes here, we're talking about three pretty big medical facilities that got attacked in the last week. So what do we know about Black Basta? And what, did, what did you say? Black Basta. Black Basta. All right. <laughs> what do we know about Black Basta, Andre? Yeah, so they started the Black Basta, and we're going to keep on saying that because we love just saying that, right? This story would have made the cut if that was the only part of the story, I think. Yeah. Yes. yes. So they uh, started conducting attacks uh, middle of April 2022. So they're, they're, they're brand new. And, uh, but it's, it's a very similar play playbook where they're um, encrypting the data. They're uh, using the .basta extension to encrypt the files. And then from there, they're, uh, they're leaking the data saying, you know, here's proof that we have your information. And if you uh, don't pay us X dollar amount, we are going to, um, we're going to release this out to the dark web. And, you know, you're going to get more black eyes and you're going to we just talked about lawsuits and things like that. Yep. And they have leaked a sample of data from the ADA attack. So yeah, know right. that they're in and this is this is serious. Yeah. So uh, the, the data that they're saying that that's so they say they have about nine, 10 gigs of data from the ADA, which isn't a ton, but it could be a ton. You just never know. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be, you know compressed files and PDF files because they they've already leaked W2 files and other financial information from the ADA. Um, so we know they have good, decent information. So, you know, I got up on the screen, the, uh, the ransomware note, your network is encrypted by the black Basta group instructions in the file, readme.txt. Um, so I guess if anybody's wondering, what what's in the instructions is basically more information saying like, ha ha, we got into your network and we encrypted all your files. Now you owe us money. Here are the different ways you can contact us. Usually some kind of encrypted proton mail address and, um, you know, other ways that you can contact them, maybe through signal or telegram. And they might have a, an onion uh, browser chat room that you might be able to jump into if you feel like going through all that to get on the dark web. Ultimately, they have their Bitcoin address and where they want you to send the money, how much time you have to send it, and any other important information they want to throw in there. Um, that's really what's in the readme.txt file. They do, I think you mentioned it, they do put the file extension BASTA at the end of the files after they encrypt them. Um, so, you know, they've only been around since about mid-April, according to security researchers. So they're only a few weeks in. And I guess my question is, is, is it really that easy? 
or is this well, just kind of like Conti morphing into a new name because they don't like to stick around, you know, with the same name for very long. Um, I think that's a new tactic that I think we're starting to see because the FBI is getting so good at tracking these guys down, um, spinning up new servers, new groups, sending traffic and Bitcoin addresses to different places, just kind of like a shell game, kind of keeping things moving around. I think they're starting to learn, or at least they're starting to think that that's providing them a little bit of a safety net to continue to do this stuff. Um, I, that's kind of my opinion on what's going on here, but what do you guys think is happening here? Cause I mean, to go from non-existent to basically one of the top ransomware groups in about two weeks is pretty damn impressive. I mean, I it could be more, name. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe they just wanted a cooler name. It could be as simple as that. Probably yeah. not, but. I mean, it could be a morph. It could be, um, a spinoff. We don't really know yet. Um, it could be ransomware as a service because it looks like Conti, but reading into the details, this particular malware takes advantage of Windows Fax, the Windows Fax service. It's basically where it builds its little home to hang out while it's doing its uh, business, living off the land. Um, I don't know that I've seen that. Brian, you might know, one of you guys might know, but I don't know that I've seen that uh, with Conti uh, before. Um but, I mean, bottom line, we don't really know yet, um, but these guys are doing a lot of the same things, and they already have a website. They've got, like, at least 10 uh, major companies um, that they've already uh, ransomware um, and, you know, they're starting to either pull in bucks or delete, uh, release that data that they're getting from people, so... Well, and this could be, you know, we had talked uh, you know, last month that, that Conti was having some of those issues when they came out really hard uh, in support of Russia that that some people within the organization didn't have the same feelings and exposed some things there. I mean, maybe this is a splinter group made up of the people who who left the group. Could be. Could be. I mean, but you, you, you I mean, we got we kind of nailed it on the head when we identified the last few weeks as being like the calm before the storm. Mm -hmm. And now this group shows up and it's, you know, it's been wild the last week. I mean, yeah. the amount of attacks that we're just able to pull up today, uh, again, these are the ones we know about, you know, this is like 5%, you know, 95%, you know, we don't even hear about, we don't know about, and you're barely hearing about this stuff. I mean, you, you got to dig for this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right, you got to know, and and, and I, I guess we'll just move on because, like, how many people have heard about this Bloom technology, right? That we're going to talk about. Actually, now. Brian, real quick before go you ahead. before you move on, from, can you go back to that last story? I can. Buried in the bottom of that is a much smaller piece of that, talking about tenant healthcare. Yeah, I um, mentioned. Them. Yeah. I, I, what I wanted to point out with that one is, is this one seems like a better example of, of a, a company that had things prepared and was, was handling things a little bit better. I mean, it's, it's a news article based on, on their responses, so take it for what it's worth. But they operate 620 facilities in 34 states. Um, and based on the information that's here, it looks like they were able to react quickly. So just logistically with that many locations across that many states, you know, even even the best of playbooks, it's going to be a difficult task, but it looks like they had a bunch of stuff in place where they were able to react. They knew what to do and they took those actions quickly. So I just wanted to highlight that. It's not always about yeah. the, the bad companies. This one, you know, on paper looks like they, they did a very good job of handling. It. Yeah, they had to disclose it because of who they are and how mm -hmm. big they are. Um, but you're right. They did. It was probably 
well over seven days into the attack before they disclosed it to the public, which I think is a smart move. Mm -hmm. If if you can, the more time you can buy before you have to disclose it, so you can actually, when you do have to disclose it, you have the best information, is the way to go. And Um, all that stuff is driven by those playbooks and and, you know having those mm -hmm. relationships with their attorneys who who are helping them run those playbooks. So. Yeah, and I just think that the more time you have to plan and 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 get your get your information in order, so you can share that with whoever needs to know it, is a smarter play. Unfortunately, not everybody has that luxury. Like some entities are just, you know, they're just so in the public that you know when their website goes down. I you know I think of some companies who have like cloud SaaS applications. Like when their SaaS applications down. You know, you got no choice. People are on Twitter going, is this down? And everybody's going, yeah, yeah, it's down, you know. And then, you know, an hour or two later, somebody figures out it's a cyber attack. That's what happened with Kronos. That's what happened with ScheduleFly, um, you know. So, and this is another one. Um, this is one was interesting to me, guys, because it it's a technology provider that specializes or niches in the supply chain industry. Um, in the logistics industry. Um, so they provide IT services, Bloom Global, uh, to um, trucking companies, shipping companies, um, and they are down during uh, uh, because of a cyber incident. Um, and based on my research, they provide a platform that allows these logistics companies to run their businesses. And that's essentially what's down. So I kind of, you know, alluded to it a little bit in my comments about, the, you know, the other companies that were SaaS applications or cloud applications. Um, again, software that helps the supply chain move things through the supply chain. Another target that we're seeing with cyber criminals who they love these kinds of targets because it, it, it is critically important especially with today's world and where we are today with everything that's going on, that supply chains can keep moving, right? We have enough disruptions happening with supply chains, with other things that are going on. Now you layer on cyber attacks, um, taking down companies that provide software and support for these, these companies. And you really got a big mess on your hands. So um again this is a deep dark article i mean it's not on the dark web it's on the surface web but you're you're not hearing about this on cnn cnbc um and this is a big deal right now with all the things that are going on around inflation and supply chain issues and stuff like that so what do you boys think about this it's kind of disturbing i mean because we've got um like you just said the inflation issues the supply chain issues and this literally um, down at the end of the article, it said it forced a shutdown of most of its online operations, including freight shipment bookings. Um, so that's a coordination of, you know, your freight and the shippers and getting things moved around caused delays for several shippers picking up containers while others were left wondering when their outbound containers would return. Um, right. And, you know, every one of those delays is going to ripple down um, and have, you know, an effect down the road on some product that consumers need. 
um, or, or use or want or whatever, it's going to have a ripple effect on that. So um, this is not good. And hopefully they'll get back online soon. The, the other thing it kind of brings out, you know, we know this, um, but I hear all the time from business owners, well, you know, my, my software's in the cloud, you know, I don't really need, you know, security or whatever. And, you know, bottom line, this is a cloud provider for logistic companies um, and cloud providers can get hit also. Um, that doesn't, has nothing to do with anything. Um, but the, you know. a, lot of, a lot of people, what I see is, uh, what I, the thing that I see about the cloud services that I'm constantly reminding people is, yeah, you moved it to the cloud and you may have gained some things. You may have gained some compliance, you know, things that you weren't able to accomplish, you know, in your office or doing it in your own data center. Um, there, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of different things that can come up. But one of the things that I have to remind people constantly is you might not have to plan for the cyber attack in the same way as with that as you do if you owned it. But what you do need to prepare for is not having access to that application, right? Mm -hmm. So you have two choices. You can choose to just, that's our application and that's what we're going to roll with. And if it goes down, then we're going to go to pen and paper. We're going to go to some like ad hoc thing that we haven't practiced, or you're going to look at that situation and go, okay, uh, proper disaster recovery planning is going to say, how long can we go without that application before it starts to impact our business, right? And the answer might be an hour. The answer might be a half day. The answer might be a day, right? And then you start to plan around that scenario, okay? What if we lost it for two hours? What are we going to do, right? And you should have a plan for that if that's a concern. If we lose it for a day, what are we going to do? Right. If you start getting getting into two or three or four days with something, and that's where I find a lot of businesses that we work with, that's where it starts to become an issue for a business. Yeah, we could live without that for a day or two. But after two days, it really starts to become an issue for us. Uh, there's where you got to start going, OK, what are we going to do with that system? This system with Bloom Global is going to be down for more than a few days. Right. So how are these companies going to actually move their shipment, move their move the stuff that they do to to move things through the supply chain? How are they going to accomplish that? Right. And that's what your business needs to start looking at. Like whatever you make, whatever service you deliver, whatever you depend on to come into the office and do what you do every day. You got to look at those things and go, if we didn't have this for a week, what would we do? We just sit on our hands and not make money and potentially open ourselves up to liability because we can't deliver on our contracts? Or do you put something in place as a backup? Do you find a backup cloud solution? Do you, you know, have a way to access that offline and a process to get that data from the cloud back into a computer that you can access locally? And it doesn't even have to be the cloud provider went down. You might lose internet for a week. Right. And if you don't have Internet, you can't get to these cloud services. So these are all the things that a disaster recovery and, a, and an incident response plan will cover for you as you go through these exercises and start to evaluate your critical assets, your critical software, the things you need to run your business. And you start to figure out alternatives 
for when those things are available. And it may seem like a lot and it may seem like it's unnecessary, but if you have that attitude, you're going to end up like the universities that we talked about earlier and not like what we saw with tenant, right. That came up in what, what appears to be a fairly controlled manner. Um, you know, and this stuff comes out in these articles, right? It's very evident to people who are in the know whether you did this, you know, the right way. And maybe you've done some testing before the incident where, you know, you've got some practice with this, right? And I think that's the difference that we're seeing between the different attacks that we highlighted today. So, so what are you thinking about this, Ryan? And Andre, you need to talk to you. You're too quiet there. <laughs> I must. I must think you put a cardboard cut out of yourself. On this yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but we always talk about is how do you want to manage your risks? And it's also, it's also where people just think that Microsoft will never go down. You know, Kronos, my time clock system will never go down and uh, nothing. So it's too much like everything you just said, you know, we're relying on these third party companies. And because it's in the cloud, people think it won't break. People think that, that they... Or because it's Microsoft, or it's too big to fail, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. And we see news articles all the time. I mean, Microsoft is even publishing how they're getting attacked like crazy, and and it just takes that one time, and and not even that one time. It just takes that one account that you have that doesn't have the two form factor, that doesn't have the geographic um, location restrictions and all that, and and they're in. Yep. You can't just pay the subscription and just you know expect it to work and for them to protect you we talked about that last week sometimes it only takes one mistake mm -hmm. doesn't even take a mistake sometimes it just takes an unknown vulnerability right and you can't really chalk that up to a mistake so randy <laughs> i mean you can but you'd be wrong in doing so <laughs> right so we're rolling into 45 minutes here. I think we, we covered a lot. Um, again, I think the theme of the show is is start to look at your disaster recovery plan. Start to look at your, your ability to deal with these attacks and how your company is going to handle it on the flip side. Um, and unfortunately, if you're sitting here today after listening to this show and you still think, ah, this isn't going to happen to me, I don't need to do this, that sounds like a waste of time and money, I got to focus on sales and growing my company. I can't worry about this. Just remember that this could be the thing that sinks your business. It sinks all the effort that you're putting in every day, working hard to grow something meaningful. And then some thug comes along and just, you know, wipes it all away. Um, we're just here to tell you that this is all preventable. Yes, it's going to cost you some money. Yes, it's going to cost some time and investment on your part to get to where you need to be for today's world. But at the end of the day, it's more than 10 times cheaper to do it on the front side than it is to deal with it on the back side. So that's what I'll leave everybody with. Anybody else want to chime in here before we end the show? I'm good. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll see everybody next week in the next episode. Take care, everyone. See you. Bye-bye.